Welcome in to Trust the Process Live. We are live in, even though we are not in the studio because I fucked around with this new thing called COVID. I don't know if you've heard anything about it before, but um, yeah, you know what I mean? Got to sit around because apparently tests don't uh, show up for the first couple of days. So I am homebound. My office looks like a train wreck, much like my life in general. But I am your host, James Hyde, as always, with my guys, the YG Young Gentleman, James Jackson himself. How you doing, fella? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. And hey, maybe we'll just treat your COVID case like the NFL and NCAA are doing and not really take any protocol and just kind of adopt it into our system. I don't know. Who's to say? Not me. I don't run things. Whatever. M MJ hands. MJ, MJ, MJ guard hands after you beat him in quarters. And I took that personally. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, the five, the man with digits in his name, five of them to be exact. Max Coolish. What's up, brother? How you doing? Going on. How's it going, everybody? How are we all feeling tonight? I'm good. We in the playoffs, baby. Oh, you are. I'm we feeling. in the playoffs, baby. Higher than cannons. Feeling? Uh, hey, Josh Safford, my man. How's the how's the uh, the nickname coming? You, you got any you got any thoughts? I look. It's just if we're talking on the computer, I don't know how many nicknames are supposed to get made, and we'll chalk that one up to uh, the whole situation too. But. How much was criminal nickname? That's on you guys. I'm not. I don't know. I feel like at this point you got to start pulling weight. You got to start. You got to start contributing to the nickname fund because clearly, like, it's the train's not rolling as it should. So, like, take initiative. It should not be on us to do the work for you. Thank you. Thank you. Nickname. Wait. Did any of you create your own nicknames? Well, no. Through our actions. Thank you, Max. Thank you. Thank you, Max. I was just about to say that we made it happen, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in, in the famous words of Helen from Drake and Josh, that is not my job. That is so, not my job. I'm going to leave that up to you, but uh, we're going to get it. right into it, fellas. The main event, as always, is eventful because that's what it is. Mm. Oh, boy. We're starting out with last night's debacle. Is it fair? Can, can I call it a debacle? Yeah. Yet? Is that a right? train wreck, debacle, something happened. Okay. All right. All right. So that being said, were the Eagles like how how close were they really to this NFC title or NFC East title? Like, were we a few pieces away? Was it was it one two three pieces away, or is it is is it long gone? Like this was foregone conclusion. Like you you tell me, Max. You tell me if we were only a couple pieces away. Um. I mean, in in any normal division, probably not. But I mean. It, it's hard to say that we weren't just a couple of healthy players away from, you know, the whole, the whole division, even as it currently stands is within like a game and a half of each other. Everybody just so happens that we're the first ones out by virtue of division record. So I think that, I think that I almost have to say, yes. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's anything you should be super, super proud of. You know, you're, you're, you're coming in first place in, in the weakest division and, you know, in the whole NFL, but I mean, you know, clearly, eight, clearly a clean eight and eight record would have would have walked you this division title this year. And I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking that no matter how bad the Eagles were and how bad they looked, that you know maybe a couple guys stay healthier throughout the year, or, or, or you know, there's a lot of other things that could have changed as well. But if we're just sticking on the topic of health, yeah, I, th I think that you know maybe without a, a myriad of injuries, you know, this this team could have probably finished eight and eight. They could probably slugged it out. All right, and, and before we get to JJ, man, I, I want I want to save JJ because I want you to rain on our parades. It's been a bad Monday, and I want you to bring me down further. So, Josh, how many pe like how many pieces was it? A couple or a lot? Couple, a lot. I, I think it was a couple. I mean, like Max said, of course, in any other division, no ch no shot. 
But if we want to, if we want to boil it down to just yesterday's game against the Cowboys, which I, which I do, it, it's, it was ridiculous because that, it, as it goes every season, it all comes down to a coin flip game against the Cowboys and, and going uh, into this game, it felt like a coin flip. And then as that list compiled, that injury list kept adding on and you got, you got Jaquette over here trying to cover some of the best receivers in the NFL. It just looked absolutely hopeless. And I don't think it would have taken three Darius Slays yesterday to, yesterday to have won that game. It would have taken three serviceable NFL average players in the secondary. And no, no disrespect to a local college, but Del Valle University secondary looked like they were playing yesterday. I think if there was, you could have tried out the 32nd best secondary in the NFL and the Eagles would have at least had a puncher's chance yesterday. So yes, I think it really is simple. It comes down to you have a few guys healthy. You have a few guys in your secondary healthy. That's a win yesterday. All right. I, I do feel like I do feel like Josh heading the cloud saffron a little bit is is confusing division winner, a NFC East division winner with like contender or serious team. So yes, you were a few injuries, maybe a few players staying healthy all season from winning the NFC East, but that that doesn't it, that, that doesn't make you any type of contender. I, I don't think this Eagles team would have contended anything past the NFC East. Like if, if it took eight and eight to walk through this division, I think when you meet someone in the first round, a la the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a la the, the Los Angeles Rams, somebody like that who's playing upper echelon football, then I, I feel like you, you get shot out of the sky very quickly when you come into the playoffs. Um, but that, that Dallas game yesterday was more of the, more than just a defensive, you know, a defensive struggle through the first half. It was mostly defensive struggle, but then we saw Jalen hurts look very, very rookie quarterback esque going down the stretch where, you know, he exhibited a lot of stuff that we, we put on Carson Wentz as, as being a huge problem and a huge blame. And then Jalen hurts goes and shows the same thing again. So that Dallas game was, was more than just on the defensive secondary. I think the wheels started to come off in the second half when, you know, when they when the Cowboys realize, like, look at this depleted Eagles defense that we're playing, they can't cover anyone that we're throwing out there, especially, you know, Michael Gallup, who had an absolutely unbelievable day yesterday. But that Dallas game boils down more to than just than just absences on the defensive end or absences in the defensive secondary. So I do think this Eagles team was more than just a few injuries away from from an NFC East title, because I, I think even through the injuries, if we look at what the first 10, 12 weeks of the season, if Carson Wentz plays better football, there's about two, at least three more wins that you can look at the schedule and say the Eagles could have won that game with better football play. And that's, and that's without the injuries being accounted for. That's just actually just with Carson Wentz playing better football. So I think there was, there was more than just, oh man, the injury bug hit the Eagles. So that's why they're not in. Mm. They could have overcome the injury bug and at least won the NFC East if, if, there have a lot of different things. If things went differently, and Max, you pointed out to it that there's more than just injuries. So then I, I think if, you know, if we look beyond that, the Eagles had a chance to salvage the season before injuries hit because injuries hit a lot of teams. But right. JJ, JJ, you just, you said something, you, you called out Jalen Hurts there. And I, you know, I have to, I have to say something because I mean, I mean a spade of spade, a spade of spade. Uh, a spade is not a spade That's, because I, let's look at what happened before the defense Josh, you can't ever apart. tell someone a spade is not a spade. That's, spade that, is not a spade when you're, cha you're changing the definition of a spade, JJ, and, and you're saying that Jalen Hurts, like the defense is the reason that Jalen Hurts was playing the way he was playing. That's when not what I said. Hurts, but no, That's not what I said. 
you're saying Jalen Hurts was looking like a rookie quarterback, and yes, mm-hmm. that's true, but that's because mm-hmm. they were throwing the ball on every single play because that's the position that the defense put him in. Look at what Jalen Hurts was doing when his defense was at when Fletcher Cox was in, and we'll get to that in a bit. Does, does your but, defense make you fumble the ball? First of all, he was down on that play. Does, your, does your defense make you throw two to three interceptions? Does your defense do that to you? Like I, 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 I sound like I sound like I I'm do. Coach Boone. I sound like I'm Coach Boone, and I'm talking to 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 Petey right now. Your blockers fumble the ball? Like you blaming it on your blockers? Your blockers won't fumble? No. Like your defense put you in a bad position. You didn't have to throw an interception. You didn't have to almost fumble the ball. You didn't have to exhibit a lot of things that he was doing. That, that's not your defense fault. I, I, but JJ, I just love how you were so quick to rush to Jalen Hurts' interception and his fumble. And Josh, we're not I was pointing talk- out your your point was that game yesterday boiled down to the fact that the Eagles' defensive secondary was so depleted that they couldn't cover anyone. My only point. To that was yesterday's game was more of a product than just the defensive secondary. That's that was my point, strictly to argue or to strictly answer what you had said. I'm not I'm not extrapolating this out completely into Jalen Hurts' problem, but I was answering that point. I was answering that point. That's all right. I I see what you're saying. I was just, I just I totally think it is a hundred percent on the defense. The reason Hurts any of his turnovers, his mishaps, it's a direct result of the injuries on the secondary. That's what I think is funny. What I think is funny is you condemn a lot of Carson Wentz apologists and don't look now, Josh Saffron, but you're walking down the road of Jalen Hurts apologists. You're, you're sprinting down that path right now. All I'll say is you usually need to score more than 17 points to win a football game. Um, (laughs) So we'll, we'll press on, we'll press on. And Josh, I, I saw it. I saw you want to jump at me right there. I jumped through the computer screen. I see it. We're going to move on. And you touched on a little bit there, Josh, because uh, I don't know, you may or may not have written the script. It's I, who's who really knows in this business, um, but whatever you touched on it a little bit. And my question for you guys is going to be something along the lines of float like a butterfly or sting like a stinger. Um, so are, are, are we, is this, is this time? Am I, are you telling me right now, you Josh, Sapper, are you telling me, to be upset at Fletcher Cox. Is this what you're doing? Is this really what we're doing? Oh, like, is that you know. telling me to be upset? You, am I? Ooh-wee, that's loaded. That's loaded. And it's tough because, look, I, I love Fletch. And, and yesterday is a perfect example of how integral he is to this entire team, this team's success. And look, I don't know what he was going through. I got to imagine it was pretty bad. But the fact that it's 24 hours later and we still don't have anything more than the word stinger to describe the injury that took him out of the game yesterday. I'm pretty peeved. I'm pretty peeved today, fellas. And and at who, at who are you peeved at? At who? Look, I I, want to just preface it by saying I'm no doctor and I'm not Fletcher Cox. So I can't say anything. I can't say anything or speculate. But if this is a stinger, I'm peeved at Fletcher Cox. I'm sorry. I mean, look at what happened yesterday before and after he came in. It's that basic. And and this this one's for all those people out there who, who oh, I was around for the body bag game. You know, all those old Eagles heads. This is the biggest, one of the biggest rivalries. This is in sports. This is the biggest rivalry in Philadelphia. And when you're playing for the division, it's win or go home. You're the best player on the team, according to some folks. And you have a stinger and you don't return to the game. That just simply does not sit well to me. What? What's the four, JJ? What's the four? That's the wins y'all have. You want him to, that, that's, that's, that's what y'all are working with. 
Hey, man, pinch pinch nerve in your neck is nothing to mess around. That hurts, man. And, like, realize who you're calling out, right? This is is the same guy that we question his effort a lot, is it not? I haven't haven't questioned him much this season. We have. That's fair. We have have pointed it out in the past. But, I mean, this season, especially in the prominent games – I mean, Fletcher Cox has been doing his job. That's one of the that's one of the leaders and and heroes of the defense. And and I don't think he sits out if he has to or if he doesn't have to. Like if it's if it's just a stinger and he can mm-hmm. play, I feel like he 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 goes out there and plays. But you also, I mean, I think Fletcher Cox is also able to realize that hey, not this season. There are seasons to go out there and risk my future. There are games to go out there and risk my future. Week 17 Fair. on a four-win team is not the day. Is not the week to do it. Not the game to do it. If he's 100% healthy, then yeah, go out and play. You can't not play just because you don't feel like it or you're, you woke up a little under the weather. But if he legitimately still has a pinched nerve in his neck, legitimately still has something medically where pushing it may hurt it, falling on it the wrong way may hurt it, why do that for a four-win team when even if you win these games, you need help to get into the wild card spot? So, I don't know what culture. I don't know what culture they they teach you uh, in Tampa Bay. You know, not making. You're talking to a ten win team. You better. You talking to a ten win team now. I'm talking about culture. Ten win team. I am talking about culture. Okay. I'm talking about. Re- I'm talking about reality. I'm talking about being realistic. Well, I'm talking about the is- culture of you're one of our best defensive players. So why go out and and put you out hurt for you to get hurt in this game? Four wins you have on the season and risk you for next season. This is what we're working on is next season. We just talked about this. Four wins or not four wins, there is a chance to make the playoffs. And, and there do is very what? Much- and do it's a- what? It's the NFL. And do it's what? It's the NFL. And do what, Josh? We talked and- to – we sat – you sat here on this computer screen, what, three weeks ago, four Gosh. weeks ago, and agreed with me that the Eagles need to start looking forward. That Jay- but putting Jalen Hurts in was a sign of the Eagles looking forward, not necessarily pinning it all on this year. You don't have to pin it all on this year. You want Fletcher Cox to go out and play Hurt for what? Like, like, are you not okay with realizing that, hey, it's not this season? So I'm no. not going to put one of my best defensive players at risk? I'm okay I, with not doing that? I'm okay well, with it. But if you, in this city, if you have a chance to make the playoffs and you're the team's best player and you have the lead as the best player on the team, as the leader, and you go out against the Cowboys in week 16 with a stinger, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't I think, be okay I think, with that. First of all, first of all, don't come at the culture of the Buccaneers when you should be looking inward at the culture of Eagles fans, not looking at stuff realistically. Like, for one, to question a football player's motive or toughness is a, is a tough thing to do to start off with. That's an NFL professional football player. To do it with one of your best D tackles, a dude who spends 16 straight weeks in the trenches, eating up blockers, taking on 350-pound men, a snap after snap after snap to question that dude's toughness, the captain of your defense. I wouldn't be looking at my culture. I don't know. I wouldn't man, be I, at my I, culture I, doing that. I stubbed my toe the other day and I only cried for like two minutes. So I think I have like a, I think I have a threshold that I can judge. Um, hey, that's me. I don't know. Max, Max, you, I, I see the wheels turn. I can see the steam coming out of your ears. I want, I mean, there's, there's not much, I don't have much to offer here, but it, it is really as simple as the Eagles. As of kickoff, yesterday, they, they, you know, they controlled their destiny with a, with a Washington football team loss, which happened. Like, yeah, the Eagles wouldn't have done anything in the playoffs, mostly. Yes, the Eagles would have most likely, you know, gotten, the, you know, the crap kicked out of them by whoever they play in the first round. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we always talk in the NFL how guys don't lose on purpose. The 
Eagles were yep. were you know they had a fourteen point or a seven point or a fourteen point lead and just needed to win next week to to make the playoffs and win the division again. They don't care that that you know that they're six nine and one. They don't care that people like us you know say they have no chance to win a game. If if a professional you know a professional group of athletes can clearly see the goal of hey if we win this game and you know then if they won yesterday they had complete control of their destiny right like it, it was that simple and. You know, there was a reason all the NFC East teams played at the same time. And so, you know, they wouldn't be influenced by what was going on in other games. And I don't want to question his toughness, but but as far as everybody on that sideline knew and was aware of, the Panthers were up early and often in that game. The, the Washington football team was never was never close to winning that game. They're, that sideline knew that if they were able to win that game, they, they just needed to win next week to get in. And I'm not going to question his toughness here, but to say that the Eagles were playing for nothing and to bring up the fact that they only had four wins is is pretty irrelevant in this discussion in my mind. I mean, I'm sorry that the four wins hurts a little bit. I know that I know I don't feel good. That's the truth, but it's also the truth that the Eagles control their own destiny to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter how you get to the playoffs, man. Every, every franchise in the league wants to make it to the playoffs. It doesn't matter how you get there. If you're six, nine and one winning your division, guess what? That's the same playoff berth as the 10 and six Buccaneers are going to have because we're all playing on the first weekend. And, and it's just my my other thing was it's the Cowboys. Like I know I know it's every team is, but it's the Cowboys. There is more to the Philly Dallas rivalry. Everyone knows that in this town at least. Maybe not so much down south, but at least for Philly fans, everyone knows that game means more. I mean, you're talking about a dude in Fletcher Cox who I mean, are you gonna say Fletcher Cox hasn't paid his dues no, to the I'm Philly not. to the I'm Philly not. Dallas rivalry? Like right? I, 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 I won't okay. say that. So if there's if there's to, 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 here's Walton Sile. Here's where I will reconcile. I think it could be said that Fletcher Cox, you know, could have gone back into the game as a fan who wants to see his best players on the field if they're able to. I understand that, hey, it doesn't, it, it doesn't sit with you kind of right that it looks like Fletcher was healthy, he was moving fine, and the only thing we have to explain why he wasn't on the field is a stinger because they can't medically come up with anything else like that, fine. But to be upset at him, mad at him, cast aspersions, Question is toughness is is sprinting past the line that we don't need to do, and I wouldn't do if I was if 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 Devin White if my or Levante David my best defensive player did the same exact thing yesterday I wouldn't be questioning his toughness I wouldn't be mad at him for not playing I wouldn't. All right, so unfortunately, over the uh, the holiday weekend there was uh, an unfortunate trend of blowouts. So moving from one blowout to the next. Um, unfortunately, oh, nope, your boy skipped the topic. Your boy skipped the topic. That's my I'm bad. Jumping ahead now. Really quick. And I'm going to ask you what AFC team will miss the playoffs? And I know that's, I, I, it's in, I made the graphic for it. I, I, I don't see it in the script anymore. I get it, Josh, but I like the question. So it's going to stay in. So, and before any of you guys can steal my answers, because that's a common trend. If you don't think so, you're a liar. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say the Colts. I think the Colts are going to miss the playoffs. Um, that, that loss yesterday really hurt Frank Reich's team. Um, they, were, they were blowing out the Steelers. And to see them come back, I mean, does it restore my faith in the Steelers? No. Um, does it make me think the, uh, the Colts are going to miss the playoffs now at, at 10 and 5? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go yeah. So uh, we'll go around the horn. JJ, AFC team, you think is going to miss the playoffs? Uh, I, I mean, I had it with you with the Colts after after that loss to, to Pittsburgh. 
Um, you pretty much hit it on the head for me. Like I'm not, I'm not running over and saying that, Hey, Pittsburgh's all good. Juju can keep dancing and all that. They got back in the win column. That was good. But if you look at the Indianapolis Colts, that was, that was a chance to take advantage of a down bad Tennessee Titans team who was looking a little shaky coming into yesterday. Um, a chance to really, you know, solidify themselves and not only an AFC South power, but move up in the rankings and, you know, a, a week 16 loss when you're, when you're in the hunt or when you're having a wild card spot that just, that just puts a dark cloud on you and, and, puts complete, you know, holes in your sails as you're trying to move forward. And that was a Colts team that that really needed that win. And the, the AFC playoff picture is tough. It's a real crowded bunch. And, you know, one one game or, or, you know, half a loss can separate you from inside the playoff picture to out of it. And the Indianapolis Colts are, are really on the on the verge of, and really in jeopardy of, of not playing in January, which at the beginning of the season they have very high hopes to. So I, I know we normally take yours, but you you took mine. All right, hey, see, that's why I went first. Max, a million, last of the AFC, man. Who's missing the Who's missing the picture? Um, it's tough because I, I was gonna say Colts, but you know, I feel like that'd be kind of boring. So I'm gonna go with the Dolphins strictly because they had that was my next hardest, one, Max. That they have the hardest game in Week 17. They're playing against the Bills. I think the Bills can still hop the Steelers, assuming they win tonight, or. Or assuming they win tonight, they'll be ahead of the Steelers for the two seed, which means that they would, you know, likely need to. Unless the Steelers are benching people, that might lead to the Bills benching people. But I think the Bills are, are, you know, they're not a team that's been established for a while. You know, they're an up and coming team. I don't see them as a team that's that's going to take off Week 17 to to rest up for a week. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I think the Bills, by virtue, are are going to be the hardest opponent that any one of those other you know teams in the mix are going to play. Um, you know, admittedly, I don't know all the, the playoff math for everyone off the top of their head, but, you know, just off the team that I think is most likely to lose their game straight up, I would say it's the Dolphins. All right. Josh, wrap us up with the AFC, man. Oh, man. I, I've, I've been looking forward to saying this. It's the Browns. I think the Browns don't make it. And, and for me, I couldn't get through one sports show this year without hearing, are the Browns for real this year? And I just kept saying no. I kept saying no, and they kept proving me wrong. And it just seems so Cleveland. It seems so on brand for all year. It's like a sure thing. You're one of the best teams. Oh, the Browns are a contender. And they just botch it. They have a crazy loss to the Jets. They might not be able to get get it right going against the Steelers. And, look, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, are the Steelers going to bench their players or not? This is more of just a fade the Browns for me. They, they're going to they're gonna Browns it. Like, I just can't believe I'm going to see a Cleveland Browns team in the playoffs. Can't believe you took, it. You took, I don't know, Josh, you took the 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 shortest route the, to where you could get to your argument. I think you're completely forgetting that the Browns didn't have their top four wideouts. I don't know what team wins without your top four wideouts. Best offensive lineman. It seems it seems That's very tough. Cleveland Browns of them to do. It's like it's it's backing it up. Like it's just bad things happen. They're not meant to be in the playoffs. Yeah, well, they 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 had four. Uh, the Cleveland Browns' bread and butter is that uh, that rushing attack, and uh, they had four yards rushing in the first half. So I don't know if everything's firing all cylinders there in Cleveland. But uh, like I said before. We're going to stay in the realms of blow, realm of blowouts because, uh, unfortunately, that happened to be a thing in the city of Philadelphia over the holiday weekend. The Sixers got blown out last night. Granted, they did not have hey, – I'm not saying it with you. They did they not have Joel Embiid. Unfortunately, um, it's, it didn't look good. So, 
am I starting to worry? I want you to tell tell me my worry level. Am I am I ten? Am I eight? I don't know. Am I three? I don't know. You know, it's JJ. Tell me, are you worried and should I panic? Worried, no. Panic, no. Alarmed is is the word that I would that I would go to. It's almost I'm, I'm between... more unsettling than worried. Yeah, it's it, alarmed. Unsettling is is more. It's it's the second game, third game of the season. Mm-hmm. So to panic right now would would you know would, would be jumping the gun. Would be you know you're being uh, completely ahead of yourself. I don't think it it is at that point yet. Um, but it's a little worrisome. I mean, that this is a, a this is the Cleveland Cavaliers. This isn't any powerhouse in the Eastern Conference. This is a team that you know after you start good off beating the Knicks, that you should just carry that momentum in. Joel Embiid or no Joel Embiid, and beat. The Cleveland Cavaliers, a team who finished with you know sub fifteen, sub twenty wins last year. So um, you know it's it, it it just doesn't. I know there's a lot of new pieces for the Sixers. It's going to take a little bit to gel, but you would like to see some things come to fruition against very bad teams, very latter teams in your conference. Look, you know they're they're the Brooklyn Nets are, are a new looking team. You know the the Milwaukee Bucks have some new looking pieces, and those aren't teams that are going to be looking to lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're, they're what about the Knicks? What about any any of those teams losing in the Knicks recently? Or the Hornets? (laughs) Or the Hornets? That's crazy. Crazy because the Bucs lost to the Knicks by 20, so they're trash too, right? Yep, yep. Everyone in the Eastern Conference is trash. Every every single one. Well, that's a whole different discussion. Okay, all right, cool. I'm just making sure we're we're establishing that. Every every single one, every single one. But if you're going to tell me that those fan bases aren't worried either, so you're telling me that the Bucs fan base isn't a little alarmed by a 20-point loss to the Knicks? And, and I the, mean, and yeah, it's got to be shell shock, but alarm, I got to be honest, if I'm, a, if I'm a Milwaukee fan, Giannis already signed that extension. I'm, I'm sleeping easy. What? Hey. You're sleeping easy. He I'm, signed I'm the saying extension, that long-term, but... I got it locked down. One, one, oh, like, think about it like this. Hold on, really quick, let me just say this. Wait, 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 wait. If Giannis doesn't sign that extension, every single loss like this for the Bucks is just a huge Huge, enormous deal. How how is this guy ever gonna think he can compete for a title in Milwaukee if we lose to the Knicks once by twenty? Now he's already signed that deal. He's not going anywhere. I don't think that team is. is, We've seen. That's all I'm getting at. That's all I'm getting at. Is it a bad loss? Hell yeah, it's a bad. We've seen five-year max extensions. You know, not not live out their entirety many times. Yeah, that's that's when a superstar gets unhappy. A superstar right now is trying to get out of the last two years of his five-year max extension. Right now he's trying to do it. So. Yeah. Wins, wins still matter, but that very good tactic, Max. Very good tactic to put the point of view on the on the Nets and 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 Bucks real quick to not to not have to to feel the value. I'm just saying, of, of the if, the loss if you're going to crucify the six, no, no, good bad tactic. loss. You got to crucify the Bucks for one bad loss. You got to crucify the Nets for losing to Charlotte. That's you know, if you're going to do it to the Sixers, you can't just do it to the Sixers because this is a Philly I show. You, you. If you're going to if you're going to hate 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 fairly, my friend, please. Um, to answer the question. I'm going to say that I'm, I'm not alarmed. Like, you know, we see this, uh, this does suck. Like I, I should not be so conditioned to just, you know, getting, getting dumpstered by, by lesser opposition when Joel Embiid is out. But that is something that I'm, 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 yeah. you know, I'm, I'm adjusted to at this point. Um, I think it wouldn't have mattered who we played. The first game without Embiid this year was always going to be a loss. I didn't know it would have come in the third game. I would have, you know, I'd have liked to see him, in, you know, maybe go more than two games without that having to happen. But um, I'm not. I'm not going to worry about this team just yet. I'm not going to. But what what should worry Hopefully you, you a little that. bit? What what should worry you a what should worry you a tiny bit is that 
Ben Simmons couldn't carry this team or couldn't lead this team to a victory without Joel Embiid against the Cavs. Now, if there's a team, now you play without Joel Embiid against a fifth seater up in either conference, justified. But I think if if you're looking at this team and you're looking at Ben Simmons, like I need you to be able to pick up slack where Joel Embiid leaves off, like it shouldn't be such a disparity when I have another all-star on my team, another all-NBA type player on my team. It shouldn't be such a disparity. I agree. One other quick thing. One other quick thing. This loss is not going to look so bad in a couple months. I, I am. I, I was probably not. You'll probably forget this loss. I am positive the Cavs finish as a seven or eight seed in the East now. Garland and, and Sexton are, both took a, a big jump up. I was already a big Sexton guy, but I, I think I think that Garland is is showing enough where I think that they they can be the the top of that that bottom that bottom seven to twelve seed in the East. All right, Josh, tell me where I'm at, man. Whoa. I, I am, Whoa, I am, Whoa. no, I'm with Max. I am with Max. I'm co-signing that. I think Andre Drummond's the most underrated big man, maybe in the entire NBA. Like, look at those guys, steals and blocks. Forget about just offense. Yeah, I, m- a most underrated, JJ. I don't think I'm saying anything too crazy. Most underrated. And and Nick then you Vooch. take away. Nick Vooch, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, Vooch, I, Vooch is rated. I think Vooch gets his due. I love Vooch. But anyways, I mean, when you take out and beat. Go ahead, go ahead, keep going. Yeah, you, you take out Embiid and, and you stack him up against not only Drummond and then Kevin Love. Simmons cannot play the five. We see it. They, they keep trying it out. They tried him out last night. Can't play the five. That 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 worries me. Ben Simmons. Tony the fact Bradley that ben, was getting booked too. Yeah, oh, I mean. I, so, so I guess I'd say this. In, in the scheme of, of a 72-game season, that game doesn't worry me. But in the sense that there were so many changes and, and one of the things that this team thought they might have been able to change was – they don't have to be so reliant on Joel Embiid. That does worry me. Just because it's so clear, this team can only go as far as Joel Embiid takes them. This It's it's all about Joe. It's still all about Joe. And and all the people who want to trade Embiid and just hold on to Simmons, I just think you're crazy because this is just another example of it. So, yes, not worried. But whenever Joel Embiid is not playing, I, I almost feel you can chalk it up as a loss. And that does worry me. Yeah, I, I – So, I don't understand – Go ahead, go ahead. No, I don't want to cut you off. I just don't understand yourself. Uh, two, two things stood out to me last night. Um, so they're playing a back-to-back. Uh, back-to-back. The first game of the back-to-back, Joel Embiid comes out in the press conference and says, I feel great. I want to play every single game. And the next day, something called uh, load management hits. And that came in the form of a back strain. Now, that's fine. That's all well and good, but – it's a little, I don't want to say insulting, but it's a little unnerving, not unnerving, but annoying to have him coming into the season. Everybody's saying, oh my God, he looks great. He's dropped a couple pounds. He's a dad now. This, that, the other thing, he, he's, he's all new and ready to go. And it happened in B, say multiple times, I want to play every single game. And the third game of the season, you want to hit me with a, with a, with a quote unquote back tightness? Like, come on, man. To me, that's, I don't know. I, I didn't like how it didn't really sit well with me, um, to be honest. But um, I, I think, Max, I think you said it very well, man. I think when we look back at this game, isn't going to mean as much because everybody's still stuck on, oh, it's the Cavaliers. I think mm-hmm. the Cavaliers are, are, are a lot better than people think. And that's going to be a common theme um, of this season. We'll, we'll get back to that uh, a little bit later in the show. But um, I, I do have a question though. Can I get the money that I didn't bet on Furcon to be six man of the year back? Can I, can I get that back? Is that, is that, is that on the table? I don't know. Um, whatever. Uh, JJ, I'm sorry. Did I, did I cut you off? Uh, you did. So I just, I, I love, 
just absolutely shooting Josh Saffron down this episode. It's it's the thing I'm I'm enjoying the most. But you your last comment before before Banners won, you said I'm not worried, not worried about the loss, but they look that bad without Joel Embiid, and that worries me. Yes. Don't understand how both of I'm not about the loss, but the principle of the loss worries you. I, I'm not I'm not worried about the Sixers because of that loss. I'm worried about an Embiidless Sixers, I guess is what I was trying to say. Like if like I have no problems. That game did not raise any red flags for me in terms of, oh, the Sixers that this year's over. Like they can't even beat the Cavs. All it said to me was, yeah, they still suck without Joel Embiid. That does worry me. So so JJ in a week when Embiid uh, when they cut when they have, say his meniscus is messed up or something like that. I'll I'll be telling you I'm I'm hitting the panic button. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to put that out into the uh Don't even the air. put that out there, my brother. Hey, mm. as Max said, I've been too conditioned. I've been too conditioned for the worst at this point. Jesus. Um, so we're gonna stick with the Sixers right there. And we talked about a coin flip earlier. We're gonna flip that coin again. And I want you guys to tell me, and Josh, I'm gonna start with you, my man. What has impressed you so far about the Sixers? Now, granted, small sample size through three games. But what has impressed you through three games and what has left you a little bit worried? We might have touched on your, your bigger point for worry there a little bit, but I, I want you to tell me what's impressed you and what has you a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I want to start with what's what's worried me, actually, because uh, we were, you know, un, unembeed worry. And it's Danny Green. Danny Green's worrying me just a little bit because... He was, you know, he wasn't on a trend upwards last year. And I kind of just brushed it off. I bubble, so many weird things going on. But he seems like, a, it just kind of seems like Father Time's catching up with him. And he seemed like a, the kind of player that doesn't necessarily need to be as athletic. And, and it's just, he just looks like he's lost a step a little bit. Danny Green is worrying me just a tad. And also Tony Bradley, I don't think he should be on the roster. We need, it, we need one more center. That's what worries me. We need one more center, one more big man on this team. What I've been impressed with, though, has been guard play. It is like a breath of fresh air to have some guards who can dribble the ball and shoot the ball. Whoa, you're allowed to do that? Because I, I wasn't aware as a 76ers fan that you can both dribble and shoot. Seeing Maxi coming in. And the jury's still out. He's had flashes of greatness, flashes of sloppiness. But overall, you know, Seth Curry, Shake, and Maxi. I think that having three guards who can just shoot, dribble, pass, facilitate, they, mo they might not all be doing it at the same time and at the same night, but it just it feels like a real breath of fresh air for a Sixers fan. All right. Max, a million. Impressed and uh, a little worried. Well, I mean, Josh just said the whole roster impressed him, so I'm not really I, sure. No, right, right, right. <laughs> Um, but I just want to, I just want to, you know, take a small victory lap here for my boy Maxi. Uh, I said that he could be a a half court ball facilitator, which he has shown to be. But B, he has not quite shown to be the the spot up, you know, gunner yet. But he's taking the shots now. Like even in the first three games, I've seen a, an increase in the willingness to shoot when the opportunities fall to him. I mean, granted, they were down, you know, 15 to 25 most of the game against the Cavs, so. You know, I guess you're a little bit more more willing to, to talk up a three if you're, you know, trying to, you know, if you're down by eight to ten positions. So uh, I guess, you know, I guess I shouldn't buy too heavily into that. But in general, Maxi has looked really, really impressive. Um, and of course, I already can't remember which game it was, but it was one of the first two games. Um, I believe it was against the Knicks where he ran a pick and roll with with somebody at the top of the key and he was driving right and just 
absolutely launched a one-handed missile to the corner. Of course, my internet connection says it's unstable. But to wrap up, what's really impressed me, though, is one single play. Tyrese Maxey, pick and roll high, top of the key, drives right, fires a missile to the left corner for an open cork moss three. I'm pretty sure it was. Just stuff like that is is nice seeing a guy with such you know such good court awareness and and you know the ability to read the game and know what has to be done in his you know I think it was his second NBA or even maybe his first game at that point. Love it, JJ. Um, so I, I think first of all, what's impressed me, I'll start with that. Um, not only just guard play, but I think Shake Milton in particular. Um, I, I was very very adamant on this show specifically that my jury was still out on Shake Milton. Shake Bowen had two, maybe three games last year. Everyone's like, yeah, that's our dude for sure. And then it, it, it looked eh, after that, especially in the bubble. Didn't look all, all that great. But I think there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of responsibility put on Shake Milton's plate to come out and produce right away as, you know, being, especially if he's going to start being in that first guard spot. And I thought I even put the responsibility and pressure on him myself. Um, so for him to go out what he's doing and, and look to score the ball in inefficient ways in his, in his first three games, especially in that last game uh, against the Knicks before the Cavs game, I mean, he had, well, I believe he finished with 18 or 19 points. That If Shake Milton gives you that on a nightly basis, I mean, that, that's going to tremendously help your team. And I think that's what he should be looking to build towards each time. So I'm, I'm happy that Shake came out firing like that and, and started the season out, you know, with, with good momentum. Uh, but one thing that... I think should worry the Sixers and, and is, is something that really hasn't changed in a long time is just the, the apathetic play of Tobias Harris. I, I, I think it's, it's very pedestrian type play. Like it's not, it's not anything big. And if, if I were to ask you three, who's the Sixers third best player, who should be the Sixers third scoring option on offense, who should be the third guy for the Sixers, who would you say? Not Tobias Harris. It's gotta be $180 million a man, right? I totally forgot to, to mention like what was, you know, what was disappointing to me and, yeah. you know, Tobias Harris was the end goal. But to me, I, I don't think apathetic is the right word for it. It seems like he's trying too hard. Like, like it always seems like he's just, just trying to, to like to, to, to take over on every single possession. Like he's, you know, Michael Jordan in 91, like, like it feels like every time he, he, you know, the offense is running through him. He's, he like, this sounds stupid to say, but he is just like so determined to get those two points. Like he tries, tries doing things that he's not comfortable with. That's not in his game. And I, I was, I, I was I hoping. Good. No, I, I was going to say like, I, I guess you're, you're correct, but I'm looking at the stat line, 13 shots, 14 shots. And then against the Cavs with no Joel and B 10 shots. Like if, if, if you're my third scoring option yeah. and my first or second scoring option goes down, I need you taking more than 10 shots throughout the game. You went five for 10. Every every like time that's not, every, that's not gonna I gotta say it didn't. It felt like he took way more than ten shots against. It did him. feel like he took a little more than ten. Ten surprised me, but only ten shots is not gonna get it done. No, I agree. I will one hundred percent. Well, especially was, when he was he was, was efficient yesterday. They start he was efficient. Five for ten, four from six. That's the the efficiency is there, but the volume yeah. needs to go up. Like you can't be fifty percent on ten shots a game. That's not that that's yeah. that's low balling right, for right. Tobias Harris. Right. If no, Shake he, Milton he is, is five for ten on fifty percent and four for six from three, that's a Shake Milton game. That's a game that I want Shake Milton to produce on a nightly basis. But for three games to go by and Tobias Harris to not hit twenty points against the Wizards, Knicks, and Cavs, those are the three games we're talking about now. 
He ain't, he ain't played crazy competition. He has yet to hit 20 points. Yeah. And I, uh, I think I, like the... I think Joel Embiid is a guaranteed 25 plus a night, 26, 27 plus a night. That I like the uh, I like the it's it's tangible it's a tangible difference between Doc Rivers and, and Ben Brown uh, Brett Brown's um, coaching style. I almost said Ben Brown. What am I? But it's, it's a ben tangible Brown. difference right there. Ben like ben I, I mean, when you saw the Cavaliers go on those like late second quarter uh, like five to seven point runs, like when Brett Brown was here, there would have been three to four timeouts called. You know what I mean? And now, obviously, it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to last night. But right there is just a microcosm of the overall difference in coaching philosophy. Like, sometimes you just need to play through the runs. Like, it's not it's not always the case. And last night, it turned out exactly how you wouldn't want it to play out. But it's it was just so predictable when Brett Brown was here. Like, oh, they score five points. Give me a timeout. Like it's it's they don't you don't give the chance you don't give the guys a chance to run it out. Um, so that's that's I'm impressed that the the philosophies are that differing and it's 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 very apparent. So at least we're trying new things. At least we're getting the guys in a new system and and trying to progress. Um, and what worries me is the shooting. Um, and and it's it's again small sample size, but the the, sh- the shooting has it's really weird to look at it. Like they make more contested threes than they have open threes through three games. Like that's, it's, it's it's extremely weird to me. Danny green is like the prime example of it. Like the only threes he's hit, I'm pretty sure are with a hand in his face. Um, and I, that doesn't, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, like I said, cork I think the abductor strain is kind of a blessing in disguise to get somebody else into his rotation spot um because that was just hard to watch with that dude last night like oh that was really bad from from pork it was just tough to watch um so that's that's what would worry uh would worry me uh max i saw you i saw you do a little was that oh no i was just agreeing like it it was it felt like the sixers put in anything last night in general but I would say that yeah over the first three games it feels like every time that there's you know I've actually seen a lot of nice ball movement around the wings like it seems like Danny oh, Green yeah. and Seth are both willing to make extra passes to guys um and, and I feel yeah. like that's something that we have not seen in the last couple of years but yeah it feels like Definitely. you know it feels like for all the the really good looks the Sixers are getting from three it feels like they're not making them at the clip they should be for sure I do want, do want to point out, I think it's interesting that we all talked about worries and concerns and none of them were coaching. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a healthy sign. So far, so far, let Doc blow, let Doc like blow a couple more Cavs games. And, you know, we, there might, might be a different attitude in, in the two one five, but I'm not putting, the I'm not putting that game on Doc. Dude, the Cavs could not miss last night. They, yeah. the, the, they played bad defense, but the Cavs, could not miss last night. Yeah. Everything's working for me. Yeah, they, like they were, they were getting every little possible ghost. Um, yeah, so that was I, I, that was a good Sixers conversation. We obviously the season has just started, so we will be circling back around to them many, many times in the next coming weeks. But gentlemen, we're going to move on to our favorite section here: winners and losers. We're going to start first with our winners. Okay, biggest winner of week. Oh, this says I'm not going to put up the graphic because that did not have the week change. But the winner 
of week 16 for you, JJ, my man. I mean, my, my guy, he was a, a journeyman on the books at one time, delivered a, a, a very sizzling win against the Eagles in 2018. But it's got to be Fitzmagic, man. The beard himself, the, the ageless one. Look, I mean, it's, it's, he's had to deal with a lot this season between Diggy was going to be the starter tour coming in and then him having to just to, to come in and, and, you know, save it whenever Brian Flores just really needs him. That, that's, that's his role now. Brian Flores has already said two is going to be the starter next, next week. And Fitz is ready if we need him. And Fitzpatrick reminds me of the football version of, I'm going to throw a name out here for all the Philly fans, Phillies fans in here, Matt Stairs. That's exactly Ooh. who Ryan Fitzpatrick reminds That's me. That's good. Because Matt Stairs had a, had a, a lengthy career. But Matt Stairs was never in the, that, that's what it is. But Matt, when do we, one of our finest moments, Matt Stairs isn't Matt Stairs a starter or whenever the one or two seasons that he was. It's Matt Stairs coming in in the, the bottom of the eighth or top of the ninth and, and doing something Matt Stairs could do and saving the game. And that's exactly what Brian Flores, it's a position Brian Flores has just put Fitzpatrick in. He literally said, if Fitzpatrick needs to come in and pinch hit in the ninth, we're not afraid to bring him off the bench. He's Matt Stairs now. And he and hopefully he owns that, but good for Ryan Fitzpatrick because you know I'm glad that he didn't just have those three straight wins, lose his job, and he didn't get to show himself. Like he's he's oh, gotten to it. show himself a couple of times since and remind and remind the young buck of like, oh, you can't just you can't just do what I do. You can't just come in here and do what I do. Fitzpatrick. That's a good, good call. Josh, uh, who's your my my winner this week is is not an NFL player, but a future one. It's Trevor Lawrence because I've thrown the idea out here before. Why doesn't Trevor Lawrence just stay another year of college? Well, now he's got he's got oh, of course the money, of course. But look, he's he's not going to be on the Jets. He's going to be on the he's going to play on the Jags next year, which I'm starting to wonder. You know, maybe not a contender or anything like that, but. They could be a 500 ball club with Trevor Lawrence. I really believe that. I think Paul Robinson's a stud. DJ Chark is a stud. And then you throw in Trevor Lawrence, who many people are calling the next Peyton Manning. I did not say that, but many people are saying next Peyton well, Manning. Not the next, Peyton, not the next Peyton. He's great. He's not the next Peyton's not who I would peg him as. But hey, I, not my words, other people's words. I'm just saying, he's a Georgia boy. He gets to stay in the South. At, look, I don't know what the Jets are going to do. They did it to themselves. I'm happy for Trevor Lawrence, and you know, I'm just I'm excited to watch the Jags. Max A million. Oh, uh, so my winner is someone who I floated putting out there last week, but I didn't. But I got to do it this week. The Chicago Bears find themselves a win away yeah, from making the playoffs yeah, off the yo. back of Mitchell Trubisky. He's looking good, though. He's looked good. Oh, okay, since okay. He I, came thought back. Saying, I thought you said no. No, no, no. I agree. I'm Mitchell saying, like, Trubisky, look at Mitch. Go ahead. At, at his at the darkest hour in his career, <laughs> a lot of uncertainty facing his future. If the Bears are going to resign him, if he's going somewhere oh, else, Lord. what has he done? He's absolutely balled the last couple of games. And quite honestly, people people would be even more enamored with him if they didn't fumble if you know he was a big reason they lost that game against the Lions a couple weeks ago but he even played really well in that game he just had maybe the biggest mistake for either team but I mean you know the Bears mm. got some help from from the Cardinals losing and and now they're you know a win against the potential backups for Green Bay from being in the playoffs and 
if they're going to do it, if they're going to knock the Green Bay monkey off, it's it's got to be because of Mitch again. But um, you know, I, I just got to say for for a guy that's been been memed to quite a ton, quite a lot, both him and and the organization that uh, that drafted him, you know, it's uh it's always nice to see, you know, e- even if it's just a temporary win, you know, he he's he's getting a W here. So you guys know what I'm doing right now. I'm uh, I'm looking for another winner because Max yeah, I'm winner. Um, common trend, common trend, common trend. But no, I'm gonna, gonna go with Arnold. I'm gonna go with Big Sammy D. Um, unfortunately, they have knocked their they have played themselves out of the number one pick. And I think uh, I think Sam Darnold may have just bought himself another year in in New York. And I mean, you know what? Call that what you will. If that's a win or a loss, I'll leave that up to you. So I can go with Darnold for sure. So, so yeah, I, I think Sam might have played his way into into a starting job for one more year in the NFL uh, in New York. So in New York, like I said, whether that's a win or a loss, I don't think that's my uh, I don't think that's my place yeah, to say. But, so we're gonna move right into. Barons, I, think the, that's a, I was gonna say, Barons, that's a that's a good point because a lot of people were asking like, what the Jets? Why would you win? win that game and not keep the number one seed. Yeah. And people keep forgetting that, like, the main person who controls that quarterback, and the quarterback doesn't want them to be in another position to draft his successor, to draft someone who's going to take his job. So it's like, hell, if I'm sitting down, I'm trying to win every game possible. You're not about to draft someone who's going to take over my spot. No, I'm winning these right. games. If the Jets win week 17, three-game win in the off or three-game win streak in the offseason, people are going to be in on the Jets next year. You're like, yeah, the Jets right, might start right. doing 13. But they finished 3 and 13. Exactly. So we're going to move right on to our losers. Josh Safford, start us off with your losers, my man. Well, it's it's right on the trend of that of that Jets Browns game. And I'm going with the Browns as a loser because look, we, we talked about it. I, I get it. They had the four receivers, COVID and whatnot. But, you know, the, the loser is really just the people of Cleveland. You know, I, I feel bad for them. You you haven't made the playoffs since 2002. All you have to do is beat the hapless, hapless Jets. And just everything that can go wrong did go wrong. And we haven't mentioned that their plane was like four hours late or something like that. They couldn't do their walkthroughs. Like, I just, this, this, is not a, this is not an L that I'm happy to dish out. It's just one with a heavy heart here. People of Cleveland, I, you were trying to get rid of it, but... Here you go. Have another one. Look, they and they're playing the Steelers. Like, that's the thing. They don't get to go play the Jaguars this week. You know, they're like, and, you know, I, I say the Jaguars, but they did just lose to the Jets. It's just the poor people of Cleveland. They finally thought, oh, the drought is over, and it's not. It's not. Hey, they control their own destiny. I've already picked them to lose because they are in Cleveland, but they're the loser for this week because all they had to do was beat the Jets, and they couldn't do it. Max, I mean, you're a loser. Where you're saying, oh, poor Cleveland, and there's a smile on your face the whole time. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make it any less funny. I'm just saying, Josh, it looks real fake. It looks real fake to say poor, poor Cleveland with a smile on your face. Hey, it's it's comedy. I mean, at this point, I think you got to, when it hurts so much, it just becomes funny. I mean, sure. look, be, right. being a processed Sixers fan, you, you, learn, to, you learn to laugh at it. <laughs> Give me uh, one, one of you two. Give me your losers, whichever he, whoever hears this first. I, I got low hanging fruit for mine, so uh, I'll go first, just so no one else steals, and I don't have to think any harder. 
Dwayne Haskins, man. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to uh, say anything else. Dwayne Haskins, <laughs> man. Uh, they didn't have to. They didn't have to wave them though. They didn't have they to do did. all that though. Oh, uh, I would have. It kind of did, but uh, my heart sank when I saw that today. I was like, it's not enough that like he lost <laughs> you the game that would have put you in the playoffs, but you had to wave him. He can't even. He can't even be on the roster for the last week of the season. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Oh, uh, JJ, you're a loser, man. My losers there is on the Cardinals, straight up and 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 straight out there. That this is a team that so many people were high on coming into the season. We're talking about Kyler Murray for MVP after Week Three. We're talking about like all these things. You get you get D Hop Max is saying not him. You get I mean your your wide receiver core is, is DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk. That's just too that's too talented of a, of a wide receiver core to not go to the playoffs, in my opinion. It it is had opportunities to seize this division multiple times this season. When the Seahawks started struggling, when the Rams started dropping games, I mean, they had their opportunity, and now they find themselves really with a, a, a minimal to no chance to make the playoffs. I mean, everything has to happen, and the sky has to turn green for the Arizona Cardinals to make it into the playoffs, and, like, they're, they're on the outside looking in right now, and that's, it's just not good. I get it. The NFC West was a very tough division. But the Niners were the Niners were not the team to lose the playoff the position to. They just weren't. Can I? Uh, they just weren't. Just, and Kyler Murray just uh, didn't look good. We got we got some breaking news, uh, JJ. I just wanted to say because you said Cardinals are going to need everything to happen. Jared Goff will be out Week 17. Breaking news: He will not be starting against the Cardinals. So hey. It just made it a little bit easier wow, for the Cardinals okay. to, well, to, to sneak back in. A little bit easier. They, they got that step one. That step one, the sky's still got to turn green. So I don't know. <laughs> but that's step one. That, that feeds into my losers. And my losers is all, or they are almost every team that was fighting for a berth in the playoffs or jockeying for position. Because, I mean, I'm looking at it, the Rams laid another, like, another awful performance back to back. The Titans got blown out by the Packers. Uh, the Washington football team, like that, we we all know how that went. Uh, the Colts, like it's the the Browns, uh, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Vikings. Like this is it was a week of pe- of teams who were trying to. A lot of them had their own destiny in their own hands, and it like they all just dropped the ball. Uh, yeah, literally, yeah, and was... they, like it, it was every, everybody who was fighting for for a, a spot and then jockeying for position just shot themselves right in the foot. What are you gonna say? What do you want? Everybody, everybody, because there was one team yesterday who clinched. Yeah, everybody. We're moving on. Rapid fire. All right. <laughs> Bang! Rapid fire. Graphics up. That means we moved on. Tough. Oh boy! All right. That's fine. This That's one, fine. um, we can scale one to ten. All right, and this is where, this is how we're gonna keep it rapid. One to ten. How confident are we that Doug Peterson? And I'm gonna extend this question. I'm gonna extend this question beyond our boy Dougie P. How confident are we that Dougie P. and Howie Roseman are gonna be back next year? Because our boy Dougie P. said this morning that he is quote-unquote fully confident that he will be back next season as the Eagles head coach. Josh Safran, 1-10, to both of them, Dougie P. and Howie Roseman, go. Wait, wait, just just a clarifying question here. Do I have to give a number for both of them? They're a package deal. 
Are they in package, package deal in your mind? All right. Well, if I have to do both of them, it's like a two. It's like a two or a three because I, I look. I, I'm going to say, I think it's a nine that Doug Peterson comes back. And I think it's like a two that Howie Roseman comes back. And, and maybe you guys are on different paths. Maybe you guys think they're a package deal. But to me, I, I look, Jeffrey Lurie makes it sound like that Howie's coming back. I'm not buying it. I don't see how you can sell that to the city. I don't think you can sell it to anyone after how poorly this team did. But it's so true. This team does fight for Doug. Maybe that and yesterday was only product of the defense. We've already hashed that argument out. I just think if you if you move on from Doug Peterson, not only will it hurt you, I just think it's a terrible decision. And if you guys think that's incorrect, I would love to hear it because, yeah, they did only win four games, and I just don't think it has anything to do with Doug Peterson. I think these last few weeks have shown it doesn't have as much to do with Doug Peterson, and I think he's earned his job. I'm a full 10. That they're back. What? I'm a full 10. How? Full I didn't 10. Say it was a good move. That's I, fair. That's fair. If you think if you think the Eagles are just gonna make that decision, but you're but you think it's a bad one, that's fair. But yeah, to, I but say to, it was a good move. I'm right a full move? ten. I think they're back. Josh, I don't think say, I don't think like unfortunately, I don't think Howie Roseman's job was ever in question in the minds of the people who actually matter in that decision. Which we can go back and forth about how actual like how how insane or not that actually is which hint it is but i don't think howie howie was in ever in any jeopardy so howie's always been a 10 for me he's going to get another chance now whether or not they bring in uh, a head of football operations to to be more on the talent evaluate talent evaluator side and take that out of howie's hands i think that could we could have that conversation a little bit down the line um but I mean, you guys all know I'm not Camp Doug Peterson. I think he should uh, he, he should he should be gone, um, dude. You're 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 literally like you made you made a guy a scapegoat for you because you don't like him. Like the, this offense that you're running with Jalen Hurts is the exact offense you should have been running with Carson Wentz. And the fact that you're not tells me that you did something out of spite in a professional environment. And that, to me, is just grounds for, we'll see you later. Don't ask us for a referral. Uh, thanks for 2017. Don't call us. We won't call you. So that's I'm, I'm a full 10, even though I don't think it's a good idea. I'm sorry. Is, anybody want to chime in? No? Is it Bueller? Anybody? I mean, I... I don't know. You kind of talked me into both of them. I, I, I don't, I don't really think that, that Howie's job is super secure, but I don't know. You made it sound pretty enticing that, that, that Jeff might just, you know, might just put him down easy and bring in someone to do the talent evaluation side and, and handle the football stuff and let him kind of, kind of keep being, keep yeah. being the cat maestro. Yeah. Yeah. So, banners. Uh, I think you talked me into a 10. I was going to go lower, but I think you talked me into it. You might have you might have talked me into it too because I'm thinking about I'm over here saying like seven eight because that's what I want to happen when you when you phrase it in terms of this is the Eagles this is what they're probably gonna do I started thinking and I was like hmm what's more likely this, them this actually moving right exactly exactly like I started thinking like what's more likely they do something good and get rid of Howie Roseman or Jeffrey Lurie just backs down and says okay you have another chance it was a weird year something like that makes excuses for him it does seem a whole lot more likely than making a move or starting over. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. Two weeks ago, both of you were calling for both of these spots to be I'm still call- both of you were calling for- and, I, and I'm not sure after two losses how now their jobs are secure. After after a loss to the Cowboys, that their jobs are are now secure. I'm 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 a little I'm a little confused. Um, I think I think Howie Roseman is definitely on his way out the door. For for Howie Roseman to, to come back, my one to my one to ten is probably about a two or three where you are, Josh. Doug Peterson's a little higher. Doug Peterson is a you know a six, seven, or eight. It's not neither of them are a ten. Neither of them are a ten. And I and I'm going more towards the what what should a a a football organization realistically do more than what will the Eagles what are the Eagles gonna do? What you know, whatever we, we can expect the Eagles to make a bad decision all we want. But if they're professionals, they're professionals. And I've always and I've been on the on the train of the Eagles need to move on and move forward for how long now? So bringing back the exact same regime and rolling it out again is, you know, trying to just bang your head on uh, against the same wall in a different spot. It's not going to yeah. work. Like it's, it's not going to work. So if we want to do something that's going to work, it's got to change. So how we, how we should be on his way out the door. Doug may have saved his job just because it's a little bit more energized now that he has a different quarterback in there, but and, and all and season real- tells the tale. Real quick, fans, I, I do not subscribe to that idea that Doug Peterson did anything out of spite. I cannot believe that. But you also Seriously? said that you also said that you don't believe this season has much to do with Doug Peterson. And you stand on that? Ten toes on that, that one? That this put, season isn't much of Doug Peterson's fault? That's that's what you could go with? I put it I put it on Carson Wentz. I put I say Doug Peterson's play calling was poor, but I no. I just can't believe that Doug Peterson's purposely using the good playbook for like he has two playbooks. He's like, okay, here's the playbook when I want to win, and here's the playbook when I want to lose. Like that's what you're making it sound like. <laughs> Look, the, the stats exa- don't no, lie. That's not what I'm making got- it sound like that's exactly what I'm accusing. That's that's real. Look, I, he, I'm saying it's that's not. Ridiculous. It's not just Jalen Hurts. It's not just Jalen Hurts. When any other quarterback in there besides Carson Wentz is there. Everyone's like, damn, Doug can't coach. Any other quarterback besides Carson Wentz. He looks completely different when someone else Dude, besides like Carson Wentz. Literally center. in press conferences. Literally okay. in press conferences, he goes a couple games, a couple a couple days before the week, or a couple days before the game. We need to do design rollouts. I know that's going to happen. And then you can you can retort with, oh, he's just saying that to to put it out on tape, and he's you can't tell people what you're going to do because they now expect the bootleg. Yeah. So why are you then doing it with Jalen Hurts and not Carson Wentz? The deal, like the game after he came out and said, yeah, I know what we d- need to do to play to Carson Wentz's strengths. We need to get him out, run some nakeds, run some skinnies, run some boots. He did it once. He knows what he needs to do to fix Carson, or not to fix Carson Wentz, but to help him succeed with a terrible O-line in front of him. And he only does it for Jalen Hurts. Why? This same offense would work with Hurts. both of them, but he Wentz. only does things for one quarterback. Even though, even though I'm saying this, he's only confident in one quarterback. He's only confident in one quarterback. That's what I, it is. Look, I'm saying the common denominator in this conversation is Carson Wentz, not Doug Peterson. It's Doug Peterson. No, no, he's no, all three bases. What are you talking about? Actually, Doug Peterson. Okay, like we're right. talking about Doug Peterson. It's actually you're Doug right. Peterson. But the common it's denominator, actually- when you're, you're right, you did get me there. But the, com- the common denominator in the losses is Carson Wentz, okay? Like, that's what I'm saying. Whatever, whatever. We're moving on. Oh, boy. Max, 
we talked about it last week, my brother. I, and, and I'm throwing it right to you because I know you don't want to answer this. And it's the <laughs> question. It is the question, my brother. Uh, unfortunately, do I even need to? Should, should I ask it for you? Do you need yeah, ask me, it, not ask for, me, it for, for a dramatic else. effect? Ask okay. it for a dramatic effect. Does Ben Simmons need to shoot? <laughs> I love it. I love the rollout of the question. I'm at this point, at this point, I'll just be happy if he can start shooting over eighty percent from the free throw line. I've I've given up on, I've given up on the dream. I've given up on the dream of him just, just being an absolute unstoppable force on offense. It it, it hasn't even progressed in a millimeter in in the progression bar. If we were tracking it visually, it hasn't progressed a millimeter for his offensive skill set in years. It feels like. So, you know what? At this point, just stay aggressive, but make your free throws because that's 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 the the most evolved form of defense for- we're gonna get, I think. So wait, Max, you're, you're you're telling me the the video of him shooting in an empty gym with Dwight Howard that didn't do it for you this off season? Because that's that's what happens, right? We we see Don't the one sense. video of the empty gym shooting. Everyone's like, "Oh, here comes the three. So not this year. We're not going to do it this year. Like, next? He's clearly, dude's clearly good enough to make an NBA three in a game if if he put enough effort into doing so. He just isn't going to do it. I just know he's not going to do yeah. it at this point. Mm-hmm. What's the point of holding out hope I'm, at this point? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on the wave that he doesn't need to shoot. Well, I'm on dude, the wave that, that not, not on this, like not anymore. Not partner? not not, not anymore. Not need to, but it, it would certainly. It make would help. It would help. It would help if everyone in the NBA could shoot a three-pointer. Some people in the NBA can't shoot a three-pointer consistently. Ben Simmons is one of them. But I think what Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey did that Brett Brown and Elton Brand failed to do uh, in previous was like, hey, if Ben Simmons can't shoot, get people around him who can. Make everybody else shoot then because Ben isn't going to do it. So go get Seth Curry. Go, go get Danny Green. Put Shake Milton around him in the starting lineup. Give him more minutes. You know what I mean? Go, go get people who can do it. Because cause Ben isn't going to do it. And I think you're kind of right to give up that dream or illusion because and I said this years ago, and I said this to our, to our old colleague, Jake Galley, who just refused to believe it, that some players just have a ceiling at some skill sets. It's, it's sad to admit, but some NBA players just can't do everything. They can't. And looks like Ben Simmons' ceiling is where it is with his shooting and his jump shot and his three-point attempts. That's just where it's going to be. So let's let's stop focusing on the one thing that Ben Simmons or one of the few things that Ben Simmons can't do well and maximize what he does. And Max, you point out all the time that him and LeBron are the two best players at creating open three-point shots yeah. for teammates. So get him three-point shooters because he's going to create open shots for him. He's, he's just going to. He didn't need to shoot. Josh. Yeah, I mean, look, every every year I have said Ben Simmons needs to shoot and this is the year where I'm saying Ben Simmons does not need to shoot. You guys, you guys both said it. I mean, and, and I've been holding out hope. I think it's a combination of the two things you guys just said. I've completely just given up. It's not going to happen. And also, yeah, this, this year has been different than the other years where I think they've actually surrounded him with trustworthy shooters. And the thing is, if he's not going to shoot, though, I need to see him do another thing. JJ, you said free throws. I just need him to go after that basket. Like, there's no tomorrow. 
Uh, my buddy, the Kevin Rice uh, with Liberty Ballers, did a nice little breakdown yesterday showing just all of these times where he was in transition. And instead of going right to the rim, he just tries to pass out of it. And the Cavs just scoop it up and, and get transition. See, that's the thing. I don't think we should be – well, it's hard not to be talking about should he shoot, but I think the biggest thing now is just should he be – he needs to be attacking that rim like like it, there's no tomorrow. And there's just – there's no other way about it. I, and I think maybe it comes back to the free throws, but you can't have one and not and also not have the other. It's almost like he chooses when he's just going to go and take yeah. it to the hoop, and the other times it's, it's well, predetermined. Well, one, one, to Max's point, shooting free throws at a high clip makes you not be as aggressive because you're kind of in the back of your mind. You don't want to go to the free throw line too much. That yeah. points are going to be left out. You're not going to make those shots. So you might want to put it in a more trustworthy hand. But I do think there's an evolution that happens. You know, like for, for guys like Giannis and LeBron, they go transition and their mind is score first, right? And for Ben Simmons and his mind in transition is pass first because he knows I'm going to draw attention. So I got to be looking to pass whenever I can. But with the, there are guys in the, in the league where, you know, LeBron is transitioned into this. Kevin Durant is transitioned into this. Where, where you're such, you know, a physical presence in transition, you could make a split decision when going down the lane. Am I scoring first or am I passing first in this position on this drive? And I think that's got to be a split, split second decision that Ben Simmons has to kind of mature to. And that just takes more NBA reps. More time seeing the floor, more time seeing defenders come at you. He's got to be better at not predetermining in transition. This is a mm-hmm. pass first transition, or this is a score first transition. That decision has got to be able to be made kind of at like the three point line. Like when I put my head down and I get to that final gather step, am I going up or am I passing? And I think he's making that decision beforehand. So you see him passing up open looks where he's like, when I drive, I'm going to kick to Seth Curry in the corner. He's just got to be able to make that up split decision. And, and real quick on that point, there's, there's well, like Max. three. Oh. I was just going to say, there's like three, there's three guys in the NBA that I feel like have a chance at, at defending Ben Simmons. It's LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. Nice. Like he's, he should be stronger than every big man. He should be bigger than every Anthony guard. Davis. He should be faster than every – Anthony Davis got a lot of right. quickness that can that can deal with him. But past that, I think you're right. Past that, he's blowing by most people. I don't I don't want to see him passing out of any transitions unless he's absolutely smothered. It's crazy. All right. Well, hey Max, it pains me to ask that question almost as much as it does for you to hear that question. Um, so I'm sorry, buddy. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. That's on me. I'll give you a couple two weeks. You know what I mean? I don't want to ask any tough questions because that's not my job. But sticking in basketball, man, it's um, it's been a weird year already, even three, four games in, however many um, teams have played. Like, and, and JJ, I'm going to come to you first with this, man. Like, is, is, is the quality of play like, and the competition in the NBA, does it seem different to you this year? And why it's easy to say COVID uh, is the reason. Are you going to blame it on the virus or is there – a different like do you feel it's a different there's there's something different there's something uh, is about the nba I'm, I'm not sure what what it is but i i just think it started in the bubble where we were getting closer games by by you know closer decisions or outcomes that we didn't think were going to happen because of the parity of teams and it's kind of continued into like a a, a heightened level of play a a more enthusiastic play across the board, a lot of energy, like players get after it, where, you know, some teams just don't 
just don't play as hard as other teams. Some players they just don't kick it on like that. And I think more teams are. And I'm not sure if it's it's players have realized that, you know, this game is such a, a such a privilege and, and they should be excited and go out to play for it more because they've seen it almost get taken away from them at a moment's notice before that it, it's making them have more of appreciation for the game. Um, but I do, I do, it's slight, but I do notice something that, you know, in previous NBA startups, I haven't noticed that like, Hey, these guys are getting after it. I like it. I mean, the maps, <laughs> the maps were up by 50. They beat the Clippers who beat the Lakers the night before by 50 without yeah, KP. That's crazy. Max. Um, I don't know. I think I think that there is, but I feel like it's it's mostly coming from like the small gym environment. I feel like I feel like the the, the environment at games is is really comparable mm. to like you know to like AAU or, or high school. And I think that since the NBA is, is a lot younger on average compared to its other professional league counterparts, I think that I, I think that it's you know most natural for the younger you are as a, as a person to to not handle large crowds and new situations as well as you would at, you know, at 19 compared to 24 or 28 or, you know, or 30. And if you're 30 in the NBA, you know, there's, there's probably no new experience for you at that point. You've been to every arena, you know, you've, you've played in your home gym, you know, hundreds of times at that point. So I think, I think that, you know, if you think about it in terms of the youngest group of the NBA, you know, the guys who are 18 to 23, even if they've been in the league for a couple of years, you know, it, it's still at this point it feels probably more to them like like high school or you know when they were 15 playing in in AAU with the best the best guys in their you know their 50 mile radius. So I, I think that's really the main reason we see so much spunk coming out of the bad teams because usually the bad teams are the young and rebuilding ones. Um, but you know, if you look at a game between two of the, the 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 playoff contenders, just like for example, like if you look at I don't know. So the Clippers Mavericks, so that's, that's about as bad as an example as it gets, but you know, minus these crazy outlier games where a team wins by 50, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff still seems similar to, to where it was, you know, pre-bubble it's, it's still, you know, teams are still scoring higher than they have been traditionally teams are, are, you know, still driven by the three, still driven by offense. So I think that's, that's really the only main difference is, is the, the environment of the game. Josh. I, yeah, I mean, it seems it just seems weird. It seems a little weird to me. I don't know if it's the no fans and having it like in the home arenas and not the bubble because I was watching a few games, watching a few replays. I forgot how awesome fans were. Um, and I don't know if it's just looks like there's even less defense being played than before for, uh, as far as the first three quarters go. And I, I got to wonder about some of the teams who have been off for like months and months. And then some of the other teams who've been off for two months, I, I just got to wonder how much that plays a, a part. Like when you, you see the Bucs lose to the Knicks, the Knicks haven't played basketball in months and months and the Bucs are just coming off of a playoff run. So I, I just feel like we haven't seen this many weird outcomes in the first few weeks. I mean, John Morant dropped like 42 points on, I think it was the first game of the year. And opening night, I, yeah. Yeah, and I feel mm -hmm. like I didn't, I didn't hear as much as I normally would have about it. I don't know if just the numbers are just, so inflated nowadays. I don't know. Also, I just... we're also in the thick of football season. Oh yeah, the thick well, that, of football season does that, that too. too where... It's just, I don't know. There's just so many elements that I, this year feels really weird for me. And it's gonna the other sports with with COVID and even the NBA bubble restart. I was able to just jump right into it. 
some reason, the NBA season, it's just uh, it's a weird start for me. I agree. I agree. We're going to move into tap outs, gentlemen. Who has a tap out for us tonight? I don't I have a tap out. I got, I got a tap out because cause I'm going to take my 30 because y'all wouldn't let me take it earlier. But I mean, you, Josh, to? you talked about you, you, you talked about, yo, yo, give me, can I have my 30? Then you'll, you'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, sure. Josh, you, you talked about the longest, the longest uh, drought, longest playoff drought in, in the NFL right now. The Cleveland Browns haven't made the playoffs since 2002. Well, number two, right behind them, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who haven't made it there since 2007. Okay. I was, uh, I was in fifth grade in 2007. So I am, I am more than ecstatic to, uh, to watch my brothers be, um, in the playoffs. Like, I, like it's, I just, it's, it's something that I really can't get over. You can see, you can hear me stammering because I almost don't know how to feel about it. Like I, I haven't, like I, I was an adolescent the last time I rooted for a playoff team. I, I kind of don't even know how to do it. Like, I, I, I don't know what we should do. What should I wear? Should I get a haircut? Like, should I, should I invite my mom over? Like, I'm not, I'm not even sure. So it, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's crazy, but I'm excited, man. Go, go Bucks! fire them cannons. We in the playoffs, baby. Love it. Max, Josh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to tap out just because this is our last show in the year 2020, baby. This is, this is the, this is the capper. And look, I mean, I'm speaking for all of us crazy stuff. I mean, there's a reason we're doing it right here. I just wanted to say, Hey, thank you guys for having me along for the ride. This has been, you know, my first year has been doing the show with you guys in 2020. I can oh. say, Coming, coming to the studio with you guys has, has been best part of my week every week. A little bit of normalcy, obviously, right now. Back to craziness. But, hey, 2020, boys, it's been a pleasure. Let's just hope 2021, we're not doing this too much more. Love it. Nah, we're, Love back it. Up, we're back up and running in the new year, for sure. Max A. Million? Um, I was going to go down the, the the easy out, profound, you know, sentimental route. Um you know, I hope everybody had a good holiday. Um, I hope everybody was able to, you know, in some capacity, see those who were important to them. Um, I, you know, I will reiterate what Josh said on a, a more broader scale. Thank you, everybody. I said this a couple weeks ago, but thank you for hanging out with us this year. Thanks for watching us skip on Zoom and robot voice it up. <laughs> thank you for, you know, liking our posts on Instagram, voting in our polls on Twitter. Thank you for dropping comments to us when we're live on Facebook. Everything is noticed. Everything is appreciated. Um, so thanks. I hope, you know, everybody, you know, in the Zoom call with me and watching the Zoom call live or, or you know, back in the future at any point, I hope you had a good holiday 2020. I hope, uh, I hope that it was a, a nice way to ready up for the light at the end of the tunnel in three days, three hours, and 37 minutes from now. All going to go away. I love it. All going to go away. Just magically. Magically. Oof. All right. Um, I probably should have gone first then. Um, it's, it's a little weird to me that we can have something like the event that happened on Christmas morning um, in Nashville, Tennessee, go on and not have a statement from the leader of our country. I don't know if I need to say much more than that. Um, 
that's just kind of just an embodiment of just what this year is as a whole. Um, so I, I guess thoughts are going out to everybody in Nashville, especially those who, who were there um, on Christmas morning. So let's just really hope that when what Max was a three, three days, three hours and 37 minutes, something like that. Let, let's, let's really hope there's just a switch that is flipped um when when the new year's comes because oh boy that didn't can't that do didn't with a good taste i'm over so, can't do it anymore can't do it no anymore. really can't um but like they said seriously we can't we can't tell you guys how much we appreciate you for rocking out with us here on trust the process live you will be able to find us uh in audio only form as well on wherever you get your podcasts um so you know what i mean thanks thanks for rocking out with us we hope we make your mondays at least a little bit better we have fun doing what we do uh, as always we are brought to you by my new philly where something's always new and everything's always everything's philly. always philly. everything's always philly have a good week philly yeah, that, that couldn't have sounded good that could not have sounded good you gave it a good attempt jj that's all we can ask for <laughs>